Hello, and welcome to Notes from an Imaginary Place. I'm Rudy Dorneman, and this is a podcast that brings you a series of stories, each of which is set in a fantastical place in order to take you out of your ordinary place for a few minutes. Here's today's story. Underpass. Old roads run all over this part of the country, mostly hidden now under blown sand, buried by decades of spring mudslides, or simply crumbled by time and heat. Not enough left visible to form any pattern, to make clear where they once ran from or to. Not enough to reveal a map of the world that built them. Nothing but a quarter mile here, a curve there, a broken-off stub jutting from the top of a hill, ovals of cracked blacktop that vary as the weather clears different stretches season to season. The receptionist handles voices. Her days are call and response with people she'll never see, voices speaking deep in her ears. A couple minutes' conversation tells her enough that she knows the connection she needs to make. She makes motions with her hands to open and close connections, to sort among the network's many, many whisper threads. But those motions aren't movement enough to burn off her restlessness, so she walks out from her foothill house at dawn, keeps moving until nightfall. Something about walking through these open spaces seems to fit the work of matching one voice to another across the network's vastness, linking this one's needs to that one's abilities. She wears loose flowing suits with chilling threads in the weave, and the shade and coolness her clothes create is the only thing that allows her to be out under the sun in the day. When she's close to linking a caller to an answerer, her habit is to spin. Maybe this started because the interface she uses is a wide panorama, and she often needs to sweep from side to side to find the person she's patching through to. It also boosts the fans and air shunts that are built into her clothes, bringing an extra wave of coolness, a little reward to herself beyond the satisfaction of making the connection. She came to the desert because the reception here is so much better than anywhere else. She times her arrival at the underpass so that she can take a few minutes off during the most intense part of the day. Under the abandoned highway, there's no reception, which insulates her from interruption or distraction, and the respite of the all-day shade lets her open her mask. The scent of flinty sand, even if it makes her sneeze, has come to smell like rest to her. She unpacks her lunch on one of the flatter rocks. There's a cluster of squares and circles on the ground where the sun rarely reaches, marked out in hand-sized stones, only lightly covered with blown soil. She takes them for the foundations of huts from an older time and understands why this would be a good place to live. Something about the curve of the underside of the roadway funnels sound to those seeking shelter and would provide better early warning than any guard you could post, as long as you listened for it. She feels that like her, the people who lived here would have been listeners. Under the underpass, 
She plays with hearing her own voice go out and the echoes return. As she moves around the shadowed area, she can hear the shape of the place in the timing and tone of those echoes. One noontime several seasons ago, she heard nuances in the echoes that she hadn't heard before. A little flattening, a little longer delay. She climbed up the embankment on one side and found a little dugout area just below the roadway roof. Peering in with a handlight, she saw a small cardboard box, maybe the size for a pair of child's shoes. She slid it delicately out and lifted the lid. Wrapped in a piece of yellow felt, the body of a bird lay curled. Hardly more than bones and feathers now, but from the faded color of those feathers and the shape of the beak, a parrot. She slid it back, sad that she'd never hear its voice. After that, she felt like the underpass belonged to the parrot, and she was only its guest. Hearing the shapes of places wasn't a skill the receptionist had intended to learn, but one that she'd found growing over time. She knew when the person on the other end of the connection was sitting in a small room or a large one, with high ceilings or low, when they stood, when they reclined on a couch or bed. With time, she deduced which sounds meant metal or hard lacquered wood, learned to recognize the shallow reverb of plastic, the muffling of thick curtains, the soft blurring of open slatted blinds. She heard sounds of daily life and other conversations in adjoining rooms, people chatting in hallways, and busy or quiet streets out open or closed windows. And she could hear when a voice spoke, as hers did, from under open sky. One lunchtime, a few months later, she disturbed a snake that had been coiled in the space between two stones. It reared back to bite her, and she pulled back as well, so sharply that she tumbled backwards and tore her cooling clothes. She watched the snake zigzag hastily away and felt hot air seeping in at her back. Too jittery to talk to anyone, she needed to pass the time until the day's heat had finished and she could go home. She followed the shadows as they began stretching away from the underpass. Soon she was far enough out in the open that she could hear the satellites again and calmed herself by finding a line that had been accidentally left open, listening deeper and deeper into it. She heard a small room, but at least four meters tall probably a space subdivided out of a bigger, grander building. By the echoes, two walls of old plaster and two of that new pressed fiber reclaimed plastic. A low shelf along one wall, a bed along most of the opposite wall, a common enough apartment in one of the re-inhabited cities. She heard traffic and a little breeze, a window left ajar. She listened further. A construction site or major rebuilding, a sports arena with distorted announcers' voices and occasional cheering. Behind it all, furthest off, the sea. When it was finally evening, finally cooling, she disconnected and began walking home. She was used to following her shadow in the morning and on the way back in the afternoon, but now the whole world was shadows. 
It reached full dark before she'd gone far, so she wound up listening as deeply as she could into the space around her, navigating by sound. She was usually talking, usually listening to distant people in faraway places, so she didn't know what the land she crossed on her daily route should sound like. And she had no idea which shapes in the star-mobbed sky might guide her. The horizon looked the same all around, no telling which of the silhouetted mountains hid her foothill home. As she walked, she remembered the sound of that empty room in that crowded city. How different it seemed from the space she moved through. Now, here, everything sounded open. Nothing echoed. No wind. Only her own footsteps, barely audible in the sand, slapping too loudly on a bit of old road for seven or eight steps. Then she was back on the sand again and still lost. No matter how deeply she listened, no sign of direction. But not an empty space. She could hear the nighttime chittering and calls making their own fullness, their own life that went on most nights without her, as did all the lives she intersected in the course of a day. So much in the world, both near and far, that barely touched her. Until she heard the flick, flick, flick of a wing, a bird somewhere in the dark, she followed it. Not an elegant flyer, and easier to follow because of that. Without any rational reason to think so, she was sure it was a parrot. She kept following. In time, she could hear a difference between foothills ahead of her and open space beside and behind her. And soon she recognized the sound of wind in the dry stream bed that was a few hundred yards from her front door, familiar from the pre-dawn moment each morning just before she opened the first call of the day. She could no longer hear the bird. It must have either landed or flown too far away. Soon, though, she was close enough that her house chimed at her in recognition, the stepping stones of her front walk beginning to glow as the door swung open. She'd come home. That was Underpass. And this has been Notes from an Imaginary Place. Thanks, as always, for joining me. And uh, tune in again next month when I'll have another story for you from another imaginary place. Thanks.